Hello and welcome to Behind the Bearcat. This is the podcast where the Northwest Missouri State University Career Services Office chats with Northwest faculty, staff, students, alumni, and friends to hear about their career journeys, how they got to where they are, and how they became Bearcats. I'm Career Services Assistant Director Travis Klein. And I'm Hannah Christian, the Director of Career Services here at Northwest Missouri State. And today's guest on our show with a big drum roll is... Zim. I like to go by Zim. My full name is Alexander Zimmerman. The Zim comes from my last name and something I've been called for a long time. I'm also, I so before I was a Bearcat, I was a musician for a long time and like kind of had a stage name where I called myself the Zim, but then I've just kind of shortened it to Zim for, you know, whatever. I don't know. I could go on and on about my little nickname, <laughs> my name, but uh, that's what I like to go by. So you can call me Zim. I know it might feel funny sometimes, but um once you get used to it, it's fine. And then luckily, I don't know if it'll show up on the screen, but a lot of people hear it as Zin with an N, mm-hmm. but it's with an M. So, but um, yeah, I'm teaching this year. I'm teaching uh, graphic design. I'm in the art program over here at Northwest Missouri State and kicking it, having a good time. Welcome. Yeah, yeah welcome. welcome. Glad to have you here. <laughs> Love to have the art people here. So we are very excited and I'm prepared to just sit back and hear you tell your story about how you got here, and uh, what makes you Zim. I'd love to tell you. I'm, I love to talk about myself, so, you know. <laughs> You're in the right give place me, for that, then. <laughs> give me an opportunity. I, I'll go. I'll keep rolling. But So where are you from originally? And uh, tell us a little bit about your journey to get to be to sure. teaching graphic design here. Where am I from originally? I'd say Seattle is my home. That's where I grew up. I spent, my folks are from the East Coast. I was born in New Hampshire. And I have this little, they're from Philadelphia, and I have this like little bit of like, I don't know what you'd call it, like attachment to Philly because of that. But I didn't really know it. My, you know, extended families over there, I don't know them very well, but we moved out to the Northwest when I was a kid, um, like three years old, essentially, and um, lived in the Northwest my whole life, knew I was an artist, artistic kind of person, like from the get, from the beginning, like that was my strength. It was kind of a trifecta of, of, of ideas. Art was, a, was something that was there from the beginning, um, got praise for whatever I did artistically as a young person. My, my dad's a carpenter and woodworker and artist in general and did a lot of things. So there was probably some of that kind of in the blood kind of vibe going on. My mom is an artist in her own right, but more of an educator actually. And ironically, I'm here teaching now. She's a, we, I don't know, she, she taught middle school for a long time. She did youth ministry, which is something that I was involved with for a long time as a young person. And so she was always kind of teaching, but so that was kind of some of that. But then I also was really into sports. Like I'm a big sports person and I, I, I'm dyslexic. And so something that kind of kept me cool as a kid was my just ability to play sports. You know, it's like, I wasn't really good in the classroom in terms of like the academics. I was kind of slower than a lot of kids. And so, but luckily I was, I stayed cool because I could throw a football really well and run really fast and do that kind of stuff. But all the while, you know, art was happening. And then when I was in um, like third grade or fourth grade, probably, I think it was third grade, I was introduced to music and I started playing the saxophone from third grade and I played the saxophone all the way through like college up till my college journey was I did a two year college at first and then I went to the University of Washington for undergraduate. And at that point is where my music kind of music became the primary thing that I wanted to do in terms of education for a long time. And then when I got to the University of Washington, 
it wasn't quite working out. It was kind of an oil and water kind of situation because what they wanted from a musician and what I am as a musician wasn't the same thing. And so the way the University of Washington Art School and Music School are situated is their front doors face each other. There's two buildings that face each other. And so I just walked out the music building and just walked across, went into the art school and it was like kind of meant to be. And it was kind of like thinking back now where I am now in this position, like the journey that I've been on, which we'll get to with my graduate school experience. But um, the journey I'm on now, it was a sign that I could see looking back on it, that it was like, this is not over. You know, like, even though it's like, I was still doing music, music was really important to me because I started doing like, like rock band stuff, basically, just to kind of make it simple sounding, but like playing in bars and doing all that stuff. And it was still kind of my passion and still a lot of my passion is in music. But um, I went to the art school and it just like was easy. You know, it was kind of like it made sense and things happened and did a study abroad program. And like the people I was around, like highly ambitious artists all around me. And we, did, we had these really cool stuff we did as undergraduates, which is like this one thing I still remember is we called it art drill. And it was just a student inspired um, group of artists that had really nothing to do other than we were all at the University of Washington. It wasn't like a, a school kind of sanctioned thing. It was just like us, like putting together house shows and, and getting warehouses in the, in the area and, and throwing art shows in it and doing things like that. So it was like, it was really cool. But then after undergrad, like life happened, I got married, I'm divorced now. Like I have kids. There's like a lot of things happen, but during that span between undergraduate and graduate school, I was really focused on music. Music was like my thing that I was trying to kind of like make happen. And so when I decided I moved, so I had kids and my ex-wife wanted to move to San Diego. I wanted to be with my kids. The short version of the story is I, I wanted to be close to my kids. So I went down with like everybody and it kind of started to get a new life in San Diego in a way. Um, that was in 2017. And in that journey, like I kind of have this thing where I some for whatever reason, I always had this thing about you don't want to go to graduate school in the same city you went to undergrad in kind of I had this kind of just to kind of I just I, somebody maybe planted that seed in me. And so <laughs> while I was in Seattle area, I just kind of was like always hesitant to look go that road. But then I actually started to before I moved, I was going to do like therapy I thought I was going to get into um, and, and try to do that. I, I kind of started to interview the local schools and figure out what I would do there. But then that kind of move happened and it kind of like shifted kind of what was happening. We ended up, I ended up in San Diego and what I started doing in there right away was rideshare driving. I just like tried to make rideshare a thing. So I've, I've spent like, I don't know, I spent like two and a half years, like hardcore rideshare driving, which is a whole another story. I mean, I'll just leave it at that, <laughs> but there, we could, we could spend a whole hour just on that whole topic. But while I had a passenger in my car and, and they were going to graduate school and it's kind of like started this, memory this thought this kind of like idea I was like oh that idea i had of not going to graduate school in my city that i went to undergraduate is now provided to me and i would rather have done it in visual art anyway versus like therapy so i was like well let me look at the schools around here and so i ended up going to san diego state university got accepted spent my graduate school journey there and it was amazing it was like the best decision it was like again going back to what i said earlier about understanding this art path was something was like the ease of it in a way was like telling me something that I couldn't recognize that before. But once I got into graduate school, it was like, okay, this is where I should be. It really felt like things like the struggle when I would do music 
it was like everything was a struggle, like everything. It was like there would be little things that I kind of blew up and did like, oh, maybe this, you know, it's a good thing, but it was not enough. You know, it wasn't really enough. But when I started this art journey again, it was like much clearer to me. Like the universe was like, this is what you should be doing and we're going to help you. If you can just recognize that we're helping you or like, <laughs> you know, then you'll notice it. And it was, it was like, even from the smallest things to, you know, I'd be stressed out and I really needed a day off. Like I'd get a message, like all my classes were canceled that day. I was like, I didn't do anything. And it was just like, <laughs> okay, great. And then, and then big things to like the pandemic happening. And I was in graduate school through the pandemic, which was a blessing because, you know, I had financial aid. I was, I did it all on student loans and all that kind of stuff, but it wasn't like, I didn't have to worry about what a lot of people had to worry about through the pandemic with, with their jobs and different things. I was just in school during it. And so it's like, there was lots, and I could just probably list like 20 things in that spectrum of little things to big things that just kind of made it make a lot of sense being on that art journey again and doing it. And then kind of when I got to the tail end or in that process of, you know, starting to teach in graduate school, you know, that was one of my main goals when I was there was to teach. Um, I wanted to teach drawing as a really passion of mine is to teach like kind of foundation drawing and that kind of thing. And kind of when I was there, there was a little, it, there was a little bit of rockiness that I kind of was like, I don't know if I want to do that anymore, but it just kind of like, again, like the universe kind of helped it happen. And it just kind of provided itself to me to that, I didn't ended up teaching. So I taught two classes as a, as a graduate student and I really kind of, I liked it. And I, that experience was good. And then in that whole process, like the, the university, like basically hired me before I graduated, they were like, you're going to teach here next year. You know, <laughs> don't go anywhere kind of you're teaching here. So I was like, okay, great. And so like, it really like helped establish that kind of the teaching rhythm in a way and, and the experience and kind of learning how to do it. And it was like amazing because of what I found out for myself is I, I, really enjoy being in the classroom with the students is like, I'm a high introvert. There's no question about it. If you know me really well, you know that I prefer just to be kind of in my own little shell. It's fine. But you, you wouldn't know that when you see me in the classroom or when you see me in situations, even now, you probably don't think that because I'm very like, I've just, I've already been talking for how long has it been? Like five minutes. I mean, <laughs> we it's love it. Like, it's perfect. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, I've learned over the years how to access that extroverted part of me faster but it's like i do get a lot of and then they say you know like that kind of saying they say like introverts get their energy from being alone and extroverts get their energy from other people right and there is that piece where i i get a lot of energy from my students when i'm in the classroom and i'm like it's just i'm just happy to be there and it's like it's always a i don't know it's a good thing so recognizing that and recognizing that what makes it also kind of nice for me is like knowing like so i have this saying that i say like everybody has a knack i call it like their thing that they can do without like thinking about it's just like what they can do and art's always been that thing for me like i can just do art without even really it's just like easy it's like just what it i, I saying that i mean this is kind of i don't know a little bit i don't know what's the word i'm like we're not pompous but uh I don't know, but I say like, I'm like Mozart with art because how Mozart could like write a symphony in his head, right? Well, I can do that same kind of thing. I, I can really clearly visualize what it is that I'm gonna create in my head before I create it. Like, it's like, it just kind of just happens in a lot of ways. Of course it changes and, and we can go into that. That's a longer conversation as well, but, but it really feels like that kind of way for me. And so having that confidence of going like, I know this and I enjoy the students 
And it's like, I don't, it's not like I'm trying to fake anything. It's just like, I just know this idea. And if, even if I'm like, maybe there's certain areas where I'm not as knowledgeable because I haven't done it. It takes me like really short amount of time to get caught up because it's like, I just understand the kind of basic principles. At least that's the way I feel about it. I mean, maybe somebody else has a different <laughs> thought if they saw me, but, but that's the way I feel about it. And, and so it makes it, it's nice to have confidence. You know, it's nice to have, um, no, it's not necessarily going to be always a struggle, right? It's like, I mean, for me in my life, I just, a lot of life has been a struggle. So it's nice to have something that's like, this isn't that tough. You know, it's like, I can do this and I feel confident about it. And I like the students, you know, interacting with students because I mean, again, I can, this could be, you might not have to ask me another question this entire time. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm like a talker for sure. Um, but uh, I just definitely really, what gets me excited about teaching is like I'm a culture person. I really like to understand why people or like why things happen the way they are, the way they, they happen. And then that's to me, that's like investigating the culture. Like what are the key elements that have put together this environment, you know, from the leadership to the environment, to the demographics, to like whatever's going on to some narrative that may have happened, like whatever. There's a lot of ways that puts together a reason why things happen the way they happen and the same thing happens for just individuals right and i really like to get to know my students on that level of like understanding them in that way where it's like i really take a active effort to genuinely get to know each student and discover who they are and then if, if there's anything that i can do from my life experience to give them knowledge that has maybe nothing to do with whatever class I'm teaching. But it, if something that I've done in my life can help them through their life, that's like I've won at that point, you know, it, regardless if it's about whatever class I'm teaching. It's just like they have a, they're struggling with something like I like I said, I, I'm a son of divorced parents. I've been through a divorce. I'm dyslexic. You know, I've, I've done different jobs. I've lived in a few different places. I have kids. I mean, you know, there's just, I feel like there's, and I'm interested in a lot of different things. I do like my art, I do my music, I do my, I do podcasts of my own, I do YouTube stuff. I like know what's going on with a lot of different things. So it's like, I feel like I have, I, I offer, I potentially offer a lot if I can show that I have that to offer. And that's kind of how I, that's what my goals are in a lot of ways with being in the classroom. And then how did I, I guess the last little piece of this is how I got here. Mm -hmm. um, basically, you know, I'm trying to uh, discover who I am as an artist and like educator and that. And, you know, I did the thing I, I wanted to get out of San Diego. I was kind of the time was over for me there. I needed to I feel like I needed a change. So I just did the thing and started applying everywhere I could. And this is the place that called me back and said, hey, <laughs> we need somebody to teach. So I'm like, all right, let's check it out. Let's go. So. I love your approach to teaching as, um, you know, you said you initially started it, looking around in terms of like therapy, yeah. but I think that educational approach of trying to understand where students are coming from and trying to really dovetail into their experience is also kind of a very therapeutic way of approaching teaching. And I think that in art, in art classes, that's a useful and helpful approach because you're not standing in front lecturing, you know, you're making work and you're critiquing work and you're talking about process and, and different things. And so it's a very, that's a, I never put those two things together right there until you said that. So I agree that if we look at the, just the art lens of 
like ther the therapy idea and the art idea. It's like, for me, if you want to be a good artist, you're just in, you're investigating kind of that culture again, that idea of how does the, why is the world the way it is, you know, and that's a, you know, kind of a therapy thing as well. And so it's like, there's a lot of crossover with concepts of like, you can yeah. talk about the same ideas. You can have those deep conversations about similar ideas that you can with therapy that you can with art. Of course, there's like a lot of people there's that, that I, there is art therapy, which is something I'm actually not interested in. Right. All, ironically, I don't, I don't, I'm not, a, that's not what I'm interested in, but, but, and then there's also that you want to be careful that your art isn't 100% therapy. You know, you want to reflect on that ideas that are similar, but you don't want it to just to be therapy. And I think there's an interesting conversation around there that I actually don't have full thought process around yet, but I'm just, I know there's a place there that you just kind of want to be careful of in a way. Hmm, that's and, interesting. Then, and then, um, as a as an instructor and you know i i try to make sure that I, it's clear as well that i'm not a therapist and i i never try to be a therapist but i am a human being with human experiences and i think like knowing that my students i think i really try to treat my students it's an active goal that i believe they're all adults at this point and it's like treat them like adults treat them like human beings and if you're willing to have a vulnerable conversation and, and know your role, like my role is not a therapist, my role is a teacher and human being. So when it gets to a point, I can go like, okay, now you need help with somebody else. Can I help you find that person? I'm not gonna try to give you that therapy advice, you know, or whatever, but I will be a support for you if you need the, a first entryway into something that you're confused about and you don't know what to do. I'm happy to be that kind of conduit to help find the right person. We feel that we, we do a lot of similar in regards to like having a work process. That's sort of tangential to that. It's the same for us. Right. I mean, I had like three people in my office yesterday sobbing like, and it's so it fe weirdly feels like I am not a therapist. I do not give therapeutic advice, but lots of my work is like therapy adjacent. Right. Yeah. So None I of get mine that. is, thank God. So Travis, Travis avoids. <laughs> I don't. I don't want sobbing people in my office. So I'm. Um, I'm interested. Um, yeah, you mentioned ahead. you teach graphic design, and I think out of all of our art majors, that's the one that's probably the most corporate. Because you know, if you're a sculpture major, a painting major, you're making art for yourself, and because you want to do it. But if you're graphic design, you have a client, and this is what they need. They give you the parameters. You meet that. So, is is that was that an adjustment for you going from you know art for art's sake to teaching students how to do client work, or is that something that you had experience with before you were here? I do client work of my own, mainly mainly in video editing is kind of where I've gravitated my client work from. So I have I can share that relationship from that space it may not be like i've never i would i would never agree to make somebody a logo basically mm -hmm. but i will do other things but so it wasn't a big adjustment also going back to what i said earlier like i pick up on stuff really quick like I, my what i told my students I, I'm, I'm really transparent with my students about where i am and my journey that i've been on and one of the things i just said like last week was you know, keep your radar open, you know, when you're in a, in a situation, maybe you're not having a direct conversation with somebody that's has the experience and skills that you're looking to gain, just turn on your radar, turn your ears on and listen to what they are saying to maybe somebody else that's just right next to you. So you can pick up and go, Oh, I didn't think of that. And like, and so that's the way I've always kind of been. And I've just had my radar on when I was in graduate school, 
I was in the graphic design area. You know, that was kind of my main faculty member that was kind of in charge of me was in the graphic design. So a lot of I, I, I helped in classrooms that were graphic design. My studio for a while was right next to the graphic design um, studios. So basically just being in the environment was a, a helped kind of just um, amplify that knowledge base for me of graphic design, picking up on what other people were talking about, understanding, just kind of like, it just was like filling in. It was just like an, a vessel, just filling in with all this information. And, and at the same time, like all the while, I've always had this kind of entrepreneurial way about me. So I've always had to do like my own postering and graphics and just whatever, like doing the music thing. Like I'm, I've always been a graphic designer just without the schooling at that time. And so, I've had all this experience with the tools and with ideas and doing things. And then, so once I got the more like academic version of it, I was able to easily just kind of go like, oh, it kind of just clicked into place because I'd already practiced a lot of it. So this, it's just like a collection of all that. So I don't know how well I'm answering your question, but what I wanted to say about it though, too, is for me, I really emphasize that the students don't lose sight of their creativeness of the reason why hopefully they got into thinking they want to go graphic design in the first place. Graphic design, that because that point you brought up of like the corporate kind of idea is kind of like a, a friction point with a creative in a lot of ways. And sometimes, and, the, and it's not uncommon that people choose this path because they're worried about kind of making money and those kind of things, but then they don't realize like their, their creative being isn't being nurtured. And so because they're just doing what other people are telling them to do, they don't realize that being a graphic designer sometimes is not very creative. It's just because there's just a bunch of rules in a lot of ways. You, you, you have a, your system, you establish what it is, you have everything for you. If you're a junior designer and those kind of things, all you do is do what other people tell you. You're not really a stat, you're not really being able to input your own creative thing. So I'm like constantly every week, every class, I'm like trying to find ways to remind my students to nurture their own creativity, make sure they're doing side gigs, like independent stuff, not just thinking one track, like I'm just going to work for a firm or something like that, like whatever they need to do to make sure they're nurturing their own creativity. But then also just being aware, like it's, I mean, unfortunately with, you know, the way our society has been built, you know, money is so important, right? And you know, we have to find a way to make money to survive. And now with what's happening and just, just like the income disparities of our current reality right now, and just like what's it's costing to just survive, you know, doing what you need to do to survive, but also making sure you don't get trapped if you can. So that when you get to the point of going like, oh, this thing wasn't quite fulfilling what I thought it was going to be, you have a little bit of an out and you could start maybe your own thing. You could move in with some friends and kind of spread the, the burden of economics with, through different ways. So you can start looking at another ways of maybe using your schooling, using your, your graphic design and that kind of idea, but also being able to nurture your own personal creativity. It's something that I think is very important that I want. It's like if, I mean, for me, all my students would be want to be independent contractor types. Like I, none of them would say I want to work for another person. Like that would be my goal. They, I would want them all to think like independently, creatively, and also I would want them all to think like how can I use my design language to make real like okay, sorry, I'm about to say this, but real art. You know, like how can I use my the knowledge to make art that's hopefully making the world a better place, making people think, having something to say 
not just can I build a website or can I, you know, make something pretty for a corporation somewhere. It's like use that use that design language to to kind of like make a statement, make an impact on the world. You know, you talked about nurturing creativity. So, what are some of the ways that you nurture your own creativity? Well, it's easy in a way for me because it's like I can't not. <laughs> it just like so whenever I'm think I'm taking a break from being creative in some way, like I like I can't I gotta take a break for this. Like something else fills. Like I start making a I don't know a podcast or I make like something I don't know something replaces it, and I'm like, oh, I thought I was taking a break from <laughs> being creative. So it's like really, I mean, I mean for me, it's like another thing that really helps is I do a lot of diverse things. So I'm going to like interpret this question to kind of talk a little bit about like artist block too at the same time. Like how do you avoid artist block? Um, for me, my best answer to that has always been being diverse in what I do. Like I don't just draw, I don't just make music. I don't just make podcasts. It's like, I'm always kind of circling around. So that re that's really helped me. Like, so if I felt like I can't do something, I just move to something else and you know, it's fine. Then the other thing too is like, I feel like I've always been a late bloomer and I'm definitely a late bloomer with this whole journey as well in one lens that you can look at it. So I just don't feel like I have, I can afford to not keep working on whatever it is I'm doing. I don't have the time to, to, to not be you know, like creative or not do it. So it's like, that's for whatever reason, that's really fueled my ability to stay creative, you know? And, and it's just like, when you're younger, I suppose you don't, you, I mean, I'm going to be old man here and be like, <laughs> you don't know, you don't know, but it's like, it's really hard to recognize how much time you're possibly wasting when you're young and you're just doing stuff. And it's like, you know, not until I got had kids, that was the first time I really noticed it. It's like how precious time is in a way and how to do that. And I was like, okay, now that I have kids, it makes you hyper-focused and ready to get working on whatever. If you have time for whatever it is you want to do, it's like you find a way to make it work, you know? And so you do it. And so now that my kids are older and it's not as, it's just, it's clicked into this, you know, rhythm for myself where it's like, I feel like a couple of things that help. Okay. This is actually a, a direct line to what your question was. Part of it too, is the journey that I've been on with my kids. That hasn't been ideal. I don't get to be around them as much as I would have liked, like through the journey, they're 16 and 17 now. So not being like, in their same city it's not as big a deal but because of the pandemic and because of just the divorce and just a bunch of things not being able to be with them as much as i would have liked like li basically living in the same household i feel like i if i'm not doing for me and if i'm not like making sure that i am not wasting time it's like i'm not honoring not being able to be with them you know it's like i need to like honor that kind of idea in a way. So I'm taking the most, making the most of the time that I don't get to spend with them. So that's really helped fuel me. It's like, I want to be, you know, I want them to be proud of me. I want them to be like, look at what I've hopefully accomplished or whatever in a way, or, and, and just know that I'm working hard. I want this to be a good role model for them, even though I'm not like in the same house as them. So like that plays a big part. And it. it's like, I think about that a lot. It's like, okay, let's, Let's not waste this time because it means, you know, if I, if I not get to be with them, then don't waste it, you know? So that's a big thing for me as well. But yeah, that's, that's kind of the soup of staying creativity, creative for me. What kind of projects are you working on currently? I'm actually working on, so I, so here, I have to step back just a slight bit to answer that question. 
I consider everything I do part of my artistic process. So it's not like a lot of artists think go like I'm going to make a paint or make a an artifact in a sense or make something. And then once that's done, that's the art. It's like for me, it's like this conversation right here is part of my art. You know, it's like just like in the classroom, that's part of my art. You know, it's like every every moment. And this, I mean, again, this could sound to somebody like really like there's a word I'm looking for other than pompous, but it's like it could sound weird to somebody. But I honestly do like every moment I consider an opportunity of an artistic kind of impression of whatever. And like I try to live that kind of life. And so so with things like maybe somebody wouldn't see as art, I see as art, like I'm working on a podcast right now of my own. I call the Art Professors podcast, where every once a week I just kind of document my kind of experience uh, and, and of what I'm doing now and what I've done in the past. And hopefully it'll continue to whatever happens in the future and it'll it'll grow into something like that. I'm currently there's a room in the back there that's what is a one bedroom apartment that I'm in. And I'm converting my one room into an art space. I put plastic on the floor. I've, I'm covering the walls so I don't mess it up because the place I lived in San Diego, I totally destroyed it. It was like, maybe I'll give you a picture of that <laughs> to show. Up. There's a whole podcast series in terms of like spaces where artists live, because this is one of my number one personal, like people come to my house and are like, oh my God, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just the art, like in the house are like a weird, but art spaces. Anyway, keep going. I love that concept. Like one of my favorite things is artist studios and the space. And it goes back to what I talked about earlier, a culture build. It's like part of their personal culture is their, their space they live in and, and seeing that sometimes like when you take the art out of the studio and put it in a gallery, it's sometimes it's missing something, you know, sometimes when it's in the, in the actual space it was made, it makes more sense. And sometimes and things like that, um, which I think for me can, add to the over like one of my i'm just a tangent i'm gonna go on my graduate my graduate school one of my my i think my biggest regret from graduate school was my senior thesis what i did was tried to white box it too much and what i should have done was set up my the gallery like my studio where i because i'm really prolific like when i get rolling i make lots of work and i should have just had like everything just kind of like spilled out covering up and had it kind of presented the way it's presented in my studio space so um that's one thing i'm i bummed about but going back so what am i working on right now so i'm getting my room prepped i'm going to start working on my drawings in the background you see that's billy eilish i do like a spectrum of highly politically inspired work and i do kind of fun work you know like pop culture not too heavy pop culture there's usually a reason like this Billie Eilish one, there's a third, it's a triptych. There's a third image you can't see, but like, for me, I was just trying to talk about, so I had this kind of concept, like, even though visual art is what I am good at, like that knack idea I was telling you before, music is still like, a. am actually right at this very moment. I don't really know where visual art and music live in the spectrum of importance anymore. It's starting to really get cloudy. I don't know, because I haven't even touched like my guitar and musical instruments in months. So I'm a, I have a, I have a saying, you can't define yourself as something unless you're actively doing that thing. So it's like, I'm like, mm, I'm having like a existential crisis in a way with who I am as a person, but there is this concept as well that, you know, I've never looked like some people can look at visual art and get like this emotional response from it. 
I've never looked at artwork and had it affect me the way listening to music can and does. So that's kind of the that's kind of like the the reason for that piece behind me was is like that saying that's kind of the title of it is like I've never looked at art the, and had it made me feel the way music does kind of thing like so there's that interesting um, dynamic going. But so I do a spectrum of work and right now my goal, so probably tonight or this weekend, I might actually start making work and how I make my work this is a good spot to maybe talk about it. I try to perform a lot of my work, pretty much 100% of my work. I try to perform it by like broadcasting and live streaming it. Sometimes it's been very specific, like I've done in gallery shows where I, I do a, a performance like um, the I don't know how long it's up for, but right now in the, the the gallery in on campus in the art building, can't remember the name of it, but um, the loose the loose gallery. Some of my pieces are in there from a performance I did in summer of 2022, where I did a in gallery performance drawing 116 drawings of Katanji Brown Jackson, the most recently appointed Supreme Court justice. And that was a really successful piece for me for a lot of reasons. and she actually has three of the drawings in her chambers so like just the culmination of everything was pretty amazing but that's an example of like so i drew all the drawings in the gallery so in the physical space but then also as a broadcast on live stream on my youtube channel and then so then i do a lot of things and then a lot of them i'll just do in my studio or i'll draw in my studio and broadcast maybe an hour or something and i've done these like endurance pieces where I've done 24 hours of live streaming and I'm drawing a piece over a 24 hour span of time. So it's like, they've done a lot of live streaming and art making. And because the reason I like it, cause I can be directly involved in the conversation, which is, you know, a lot of, a lot of artists say things like they want to have their art inspire a conversation. Right. But oftentimes you don't know it. If you, if you make it and you put it in a space, you're not always there, but because I'm like, sharing the process of making it live streaming it documenting it on a live stream that's connected to me all the time so you know it can people can interact with the work while i'm making it and converse with me but then they can also like if they find the live stream later on and make a comment i'll see those comments i'll be honest it hasn't happened a ton when i started the earlier versions of doing it got a lot more reaction than the newer version the late more recent versions but um i don't know why that is but um and so i still get every once in a while some of the early live streams i've done are still getting comments every once in a while and i can can interact with them but yeah so i'm kind of evolving that process um what i want to do now like I, i'm hoping to do more in gallery live stream type things more specific events but i'm also going to be just doing like i used to do everything was like from beginning to end done within that that performance, that live stream or that performance was like, I started it and finished it and it was done. But now I'm gonna do more, like I just have like a time that it's like Zim's live stream from his studio. And it's not necessarily gonna, a piece isn't necessarily gonna be finished. It's just gonna be an opportunity to access the kind of art in real time in a way. So I'll probably like Friday nights or Saturday nights, just be doing that and set up my camera and, and just be working on pieces. Cause I wanna like, I think it's time for me to kind of like spend more time on pieces versus like just being, I'd work really fast. And I think, which goes into going back to what you said earlier as well with like, how do you stay creative or kind of as a piece in there? It's like, I don't want to spend a long time on something. I just do a lot of stuff and do like series and do like that and work fast. And that helps me too. Like, I don't have the tolerance to just, 
I don't know, take a month or longer on a painting or something. I just not, that's just not my jam. I'm just like, let's just go. Let's just me. Let's just whatever. You know, it's like, but yeah. Did that answer some of that question? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that was good. I start, was I, I start talking so much that I forget what I'm talking about. I'm like, like, what are we talking about? But well, I think that ex- being part of the process and explaining it a little bit, the, the people yeah. I know that would say they don't get art, I think that's why, because they feel like, well, I don't have the knowledge of the artist and art history and the place and the time and, you know, to be able to give it context and have it mean anything. And then other people like me, it's like, I like the way that looks or, or I don't like the way that, you know, I make, I make pretty quick judgments and I may not have the education that I need for it. But if you can be part of the conversation around your art, then you're kind of explaining the motivations for it and kind of taking that homework out of it for people that maybe don't think that they have enough knowledge to be into art. Cause that's, I definitely have met people who they like the you're idea of art, but they can't do it. You're yes, taking away absolutely. those excuses to not yeah. interact with it. And lowering the barrier to entry, which I think is an important thing. Yeah. I do a lot of portraits. It's kind of my main place I live with. And I try to make them, you know, like, again, I'm not, I try to stay away from too just pop culture stuff. I'll do it every once in a while, but I definitely want to draw moments. Like I also say I do art in real time or I do art at the speed of life kind of where it's like, I'm responding to what's going on in our society. Like there's a lot of the pieces right now, probably making um, pieces you know, with like the indictments from President Trump that are happening and then the characters involved in that, you know, a lot of what's going on. I'm really inspired by what's happening in Tennessee with Justin Jones and Justin Pearson, like that kind of moment, the, the gun rights kind of in, and kind of like what's happening there. So I want to make work around that. And so it's like, you know, what's happening right now, I respond to and draw portraits of them. And I think the portraits allow access to a kind of more everyday kind of person in a way you don't have to be it's, it's easier to understand you know it's easier to access but hopefully i present it in a way that's fresh a different fresh. perspective yeah. right like something something you're bringing something to the conversation yeah. that only you can bring to it right yeah i like that uh, one of the things in terms of portraiture that i hadn't really thought of until i went to uh, i don't know where we were at some museum we went to a lot of museums this summer. She's been to oh. some amazing museums in the last few months, just for clarification. <laughs> She's been to Europe a few times. And we uh, we went Her PhD to... program, she's traveled extensively <laughs> to look at art. So We went and we saw the portrait of one of the Charleses, and I can't even remember. I think Velazquez painted it or whatever. And you know, you don't really think about, you learn about portraiture and you're like, ah, these are just old dead people and I don't know them. But when you actually get in the space with those portraits and you're looking at them, you're right. Those portraits are more timeless almost than anything because once the subjects are gone, or maybe there's not even a subject there, like those characters still exist in that piece, and you still have such a dialogue with those characters. And so, I mean, the portraiture, it, there's a long history of it, and people do it, and everybody has their own style to it. But to me, that never gets old. It never gets old. Yeah. Well, like Mona Lisa, people don't even know who that was, but it's still, <laughs> if you ask, 10 people on the street of any city, what's the most famous piece of art in the world? I bet a majority of them would probably say the Mona Lisa, like that's right up there. So, you know, it is, it's powerful because we recognize other people, right? It's part of being a primate. You recognize other primates. Well, part of what you said too, because of like the, those portraits and those just art in general, that stood the test of time and going to see it. It's like, I was fortunate and I never thought it would be something that I 
would have done like at my so when I was an undergrad, one of my undergrad professors, like my two dimensional design professor actually said like they had at the University of Washington, they had a study abroad program that was actually part of the art school. So he said, like, go check this out. Even if you don't think you're going to do it, just go to the orientation and go see. And, um, you know, I was impressionable enough, whatever, even though I didn't think I was like, I'm never leaving Seattle kind of had that kind of I was a homebody kind of vibe. And, and going back to what I said, that introverted thing about me as well as like, I knew at that time, I was really interested. like I was quiet, I would not say anything for like weeks before and then I would start to feel comfortable and I would like a switch would uh, like happen. And then all of a sudden, I'd be this totally different person. And people were like, where'd this guy come from? Because I started <laughs> to get comfortable and stuff. But I went and did it. And I got to I just ended up in Rome is where we went. And it for three months, and it changed my life because I got to see the work in person and it's like no wonder this is why it stood the test of the time no wonder this is why we talk about it all the time in our textbooks and all that stuff so it's like you know it just reminded me having you saying that reminded me of that experience and i try to instill that in my students i mean however i always try to investigate like how the study abroad program works at wherever i am and, and try to get knowledge of it so that i can tell the students you really should do this like <laughs> figure out how to do this because it's like it's amazing i changed my life and i'm glad i did it and i always try to get my students to look and investigate into it as well it yeah. is super important yeah super important what advice would you have for students maybe you know I, you mentioned earlier you know that yeah. a lot of times students are interested in art but maybe you know the idea of how do i turn this into a job gets in the way of that so is there any advice for students who maybe you're in that conundrum right now they love art and they love making art but they don't know if they can turn that into a career, if they should do something else, you know, maybe be an accounting major and make art on the side or whatever. Well, the best number one advice is make sure you're happy. So however that journey is, and the problem is we don't know, again, going back to that old man, like when you're my age, you're gonna, <laughs> you know, understand what's making you happy or not. But it's like, it is, it's true. It's like whatever journey you're on. And if you have that creative kind of thing, you just, unfortunately in our society, it is harder to make a living if you want to be a creative. It's just period, but it's not impossible. You just have to be entrepreneurial a little bit. You have to be willing to find different ways to do it, you know, a little more of a zigzag in the career path in a way. You have to make some sacrifices, living with more people, staying with your parents longer, whatever it might be that'll help you support that kind of idea. But I just, you know, my advice is to not think of it as a career path, you know? to think of it as what's going to make you happy. And and because I have a firm belief like, okay, this is can we can get a little bit into my philosophy on just higher ed right now and the state of it. And I just really think it needs to be kind of blown up from what's happening, especially with the introduction of AI and different things. And I have a firm belief of higher education isn't about what you're learning. It's about the community that you're in. It's about you're putting yourself in an environment to grow as a person. It's not about how am I going to do on these tests and the knowledge, the little, the knowledge and stuff? I mean, there's a lot of conversation around that, but especially if you're in the creative fields, it's really you're here in higher ed to grow as a person. And so that should be the goal, in my opinion. It shouldn't be what career am I going to get out of this? It's like, how am I? So with the arts is a, you know, one of the best places to grow as a person because with the arts, and this is unfortunate that arts is usually a, a place that gets like, the push to the side a lot because it's not a test thing. It's not a standardized thing. It's like a life thing. And so it's teaching, you know, the thing that the arts does for society is teaches people how to think. 
you know, it really makes us in, in reflect on and introspect on what the world is all about. Because basically, I mean, artists throughout the you know generations are kind of this pseudo historians, right? We're documenting not only moments, but we're documenting emotions. We're documenting like everything. We're documenting life and putting it into a, a way that potentially more people can access. You know, you don't need to be able to read to look at a painting and, and understand the emotion of it and what's happening. And if there's like something historical about it as well, like there's so, so much opportunity. And this idea, I'm a believer that, you know, art, creativity, like in extension, creativity or creativity and extension art is the variable is like everything else has to start from a creative point. So that's why like the arts is so important to our society and and higher education and those kind of things. But like going back to the advice idea, I guess it's just, you know, make sure you're happy with the choices you're making and understand that you're just gonna have to like, you know, pull up your bootstrap or whatever that saying is, you know, like really kind of think outside the box a little bit and um, and just know that it's, it might be a little harder right now in our society to find that career. But if you're enjoying, like I'd much rather, I mean, for me speaking from experience, it's like, I'd rather struggle a little bit more with money and figuring that out, but I'm doing things that kind of make me happy than make more money being stuck in an environment that makes me depressed. It's like, I've at this stage of my life, it's like, I do not want to be in an environment that makes me feel like I don't, this, I just don't have anything to offer and give back and like whatever nine to five or whatever it might be. So it's like, it's like what you, your example that you gave Travis of like being an accountant and then do it on the side. It's like, yeah, but Oh, be careful, <laughs> be careful. Cause you could get trapped and find out you don't have time to do anything creative anymore. So it's like, just, I know. And it's really hard to know what's, you know, predict the future. So it's like, you know, you don't know that you don't always see the path that you're getting potentially trapped on when you're on it, you know, until it's kind of too late and you're like, Oh God, now, and then you have kids or whatever. And then you have a relationship, you have a mortgage, you have, like whatever might be tying you to an idea that you're just unhappy and that's no good. You want to, you want to find that happiness. I don't know. I, I feel like there's so much more to that, but, um, but I don't know, advice for students uh, after we wrap up, I'm like, Oh, I should have said that too. <laughs> no, I think that's good advice though, to follow, yeah. follow what makes you happy, you know, follow your joy. Like don't go, don't, don't let other stuff get in the way of you doing what you dream of doing. Like, I think that's, that's about as good of device as anybody could give anybody, I think. So I could have like a soapbox and a bullhorn every time there's people thinking about going to college, like you're not going here for the information. You're going here for the community. You know, it's like, I don't know. That's my belief. And I, but it means like there has to be a paradigm shift with how the whole institution thinks about it as well. And then it has to be like a value thing that we're not outside of yet either. It's cause it's like the number, the two things, I think people, you know, students um, think about when they go to college is like, what are they going to learn and how much is it going to cost? And so those are like the two things that kind of like, but it's like, those are not as important as they, they are for the two first things. It's like, first we have to re we have to figure out as a society how to make this more affordable because it's just a benefit to society to, you know, it's like, we shouldn't, we sh people shouldn't have to be in debt after their education. You know, it's like, it should, and it shouldn't take years to get out of it, even if it does. Like if it, whatever, there's a system that needs to be fixed, you know? <laughs> so it's like, that shouldn't be a conversation. It's like, and when I went to graduate school, thankfully in a way, and I mean, I've been in debt my whole life, so it hasn't been hard for me to like, I'm just like, okay, whatever. It's like, 
it's kind of a thing. So it's, it wasn't as uh, scary for me to have to where I wasn't worried about that. But I, when I decided to go to graduate school, I made this conscious effort or just conscious kind of decision in my mind to say, I'm not going to let money be the obstacle. I'll figure the money out, how, whatever that means. You know, if it means I'm in debt for a little while, if it means getting whatever, but I'm not going to make that the lead decision in my higher education journey. My higher education journey is, do I want to do this? And what can I, you know, what can I get out of it? How, how can I grow as a person and, and kind of, and can I figure out, cause that was the goal for me. It's like, I was at a point in my life with graduate school anyway, undergrad was a different story. I went to undergrad as well with, I never thought of it as a job at the other side of it. I always thought of it as experience. It's like, I wanted to have the experience of going to college and for whatever, you know, it's like, again, that's Ari Wolf. That's a good way to think about it, but that's the way I think is a good way to think about it. And then, cause you just, you just, I mean, ask, I mean, I'm sure, I and mean, this is unscientific, but you have a room full of uh, uh, you know, people that didn't go to college and a room full of people that did. And what would they look like? How would it, what would you feel like would be the experience of being in that room? And it's like, I just think, you know, being exposed to other people, learning about other ideas. It's just like, you're just a more whole person. I think you have an opportunity to grow more. So that's, that's a value that's worth the money, you know, in a, in a way. And so when I went to graduate school, especially, I was like at a point in my life where it's like, I need to figure out what I need to do with my life. I'm at a point, it's like, and I just, that's part of why I was like, okay, let me take out loans or whatever to do this because I, I don't want this struggle. Like I wouldn't have done it if I was trying to work and do school at the same time. It just wouldn't have worked. It was just like, and in that graduate school experience, especially I realized, and it was a kind of a common thing, like it was too much work just to do graduate school to try to work at the same time. You really want to, when you're, I really feel like, especially as an artist in graduate school, you really want to immerse yourself in it. You really want to be there. You don't want to be distracted by, Oh, I have to go to my job now. It's like you want to, your job wants to be, so you want to be going to your classes, but your job will be spending the rest of the time in your studio, making the work. So it's like, it fills up your time really quickly. And it's like, you should be an active artist. One of the things I'm trying to inspire my students right now to think more about is what are they doing to be creative outside of assignments? It's like, are they being creative people outside of the school environment? And if they're not, they really need to change that. If this is what they want to be doing, you know, they really need to be like thinking, how am I just a creative being? And what am I doing to nurture that creativity that has nothing to do with what I'm being told to make? It's like, I'm making because that's what I want to make and like find that thing. I had, I had to do this, another saying, another idea I, I try to tell my students is like, find an excuse to make work. Like I'm not the type of artist that can just sketch in a sketchbook and just like do that. Like some artists can every day do a daily sketch and whatever, and they're, they're kind of nurturing that kind of idea. It's like, I, I need an outlet. I need an access like external point. And that's why the live streaming thing has really worked for me because I love live streaming and I like making art. So it's like, let me combine the two and it gets me more motivated to actually make work because I'm doing the live. It's like, what kind of excuse can you put in there to help you just continually be creative and continually make work that you're doing for yourself, you know, because it's, it's a spectrum of a lot of different kind of ways to do it. I threw a lot out there in no, the last three minutes, <laughs> but like, I forgot where I was came from over all that. But um, yeah, so and we were talking about the school aspect of, of things and I, uh, yeah, I can't remember now though. Oh, but, that was great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs>
Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time. It was a great conversation and I'll make sure that we link to some of your stuff so people can check it out in the description for both the video and audio. Um, so we'll definitely do that. So check out his stuff and that'll do it for another episode of Behind the Bearcat and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you.